Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. Is it about a retail environment that just invites people to just share the most bizarre uh, information about themselves? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like to you specifically or like while you're in this, like while they're in the store? Um, I guess it is to me specifically, although I have been in, you know, just stores shopping around and right. someone, you know, an older person wants to take that opportunity to, you know, tell me how it is. But definitely working retail. People uh-huh. are very open about their philosophies on the world uh, that yeah. I did not ask to hear, <laughs> you know, but so open with them in a way that it's like, are you like this to everyone? Or is this right. specifically like, you know, do you want me specifically to get something out of this information? You know? Yeah. It sounds like like the NPC dialogue that you have to like sit through in a game. <laughs> I mean, it, if, if we're being honest, it's mostly the social construct of, uh, I need them to spend money in the store, right. and so I will just have to, uh-huh, along to anything yeah. that they say. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. No way. Do you want a paper or email receipt? <laughs> and then you have to wait. I, you know what? That is such a complicated question. I'm going to be honest. I always end up sitting there <laughs> spending like a minute just processing like, well... <laughs> It's better for the environment to get the email, but I might not get the email. So now I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know what. Uh, here's the thing. When I go to a store and I had that problem in Italy, too, and I had to kind of mm-hmm. curve my uh, cultural tendencies like I don't want to talk to anybody. If I'm going to a store, I want to go get what I got to get and then leave. I don't really want to have side conversations unless it's like yeah. really intriguing. So I I never really understood people who go places and to just strike up a conversation with like employees because it's like right. i don't have time and you, like you don't have time or they don't mm-hmm. have time working like why are we doing this why is that our yeah. requirement here but you know just like i i have a few things from the past week but honestly not not necessarily like the the strangest but the one that sticks out the most in my head from this past week is a guy that came in and was looking at the sunglasses in the store because you know in addition to selling pens and notebooks we also sell sunglasses ah true bargain yeah and he's looking at them and he's like do you have the yellow lenses and i'm like (laughs) we we have some that are different colors he's like he's like i like the yellow lenses that's you know, you really need that for the weather up here. Most people just get dark sunglass lenses, but, you know, people are sheep. What? Wait. 
Um, I, I mean, anatomically this guy, speaking, they're this, not. This, this guy, this, this red-pilled uh, Sigma male, <laughs> you know, was just pulling me aside, you know, one Sigma to another, to tell me that, uh, you know, people in the know know right. not to get sunglasses with dark lenses. No, of, of course not. That's too... That's too trendy. This guy's a real hipster, and they want to make sure they're on top of the new trends. Yellow. Wait, why? Why so specific? Know. Maybe he really likes Bono. I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess. I, is it bad that I... Is it like... I picture sports glasses, like those very specific... Like, you know, mm -hmm. PC Principal from South Park, like sunglasses, but only yeah. like, but like yellow tinted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. Weird. Yeah, I I mean, there's definitely like a sport, a sporting element to them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that want polarized lenses, but I don't think they know what that's for. No, definitely they just not. Have, they just have heard, oh yeah, polarized. And none of these people are going to be sports fishing, as far as I know. Right, right. Which is really the only thing that, at, at least I can say as someone from Florida... <laughs> that is really all you can use polarized lenses for is seeing under the surface of the water slightly better. Is that literally what it's for? Yeah, if you're oh. wearing polarized lenses and the weather's and, and it's sunny out, you can kind of see under the water. That's kind of cool. I didn't actually yeah. know that that was the reason. I always just thought it was something about filtering UV or whatever. Uh, well, yeah, that. but the thing is... Um, like, cause this is a thing that like, we have to talk to like our customers over and over again, because the glasses are UV filtering, but they are not polarized. Right. Right. So they, they are, they are, uh, things that can be one without the other type of. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, if it, honestly though, if you are like a, uh, you know, uh, a product engineer and know more about sunglasses than i do you know feel free to uh reach out yeah for um, sure. but yeah that's that's really all i have ever understood polarized sunglasses right. for interesting i'm a uh transition lens type guy so i'm more on the utilitarian side of sunglass wear i'd rather have the two for one i i think you just like to be able to see yeah Mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. it's honest you know i had glasses without transitions one time and i went it's mm -hmm. when i went to disney as a kid and universal and i was blinded for like half the trip because of the glare <laughs> and i couldn't see anything so i've learned my oh lesson. my god whoa you rough. had like your did you have like your anime like flash across your glasses moment when you'd push it up against your nose bridge i mean I, I was like 10, and I don't think it was that cool, because I know for sure I wasn't. So probably mm. not, but it was more like me freaking out that I couldn't see anything, because it was just glaring and bright. Uh, and then I think right. I had to do the, like... I had wire glasses at the time, so I had to mm -hmm. do, like, you know, sunglasses over glasses kind of a deal in order to see. Um, right. Yeah, uh -huh. it was not. It was a real horror show in and of itself. Have you ever wanted the sunglasses that um, the dark, the the tinted glasses flip up, and then underneath <sighs> you have just your prescription lenses? Not really, because I feel like it's cool for like ten seconds, and then I gotta walk around everywhere else with my glasses like flipped up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, are they supposed to be like 
you're a second type of pear? No, 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 no. Like the 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 top of the frame is hinged, and there is there are like two lenses. There are four lenses on a, yeah. on this pair of glasses. Two that have your prescription, and then like you can engage outdoor <laughs> yeah. mode. Right, you flip them down. You flip them down. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I no. Just because mm-hmm. it seems too that's too chaotic for me. I'll stick with the transitions. Right, right. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, if you were, like, say, trapped out in, you know, a a bright, sunny place, like, Uh let's say, um, the Mongolian desert, (laughs) you know, the the, the Gobi Desert. Yeah, it's pretty bright. You know, you would definitely want to be able to, uh, spot, say, a, a giant, uh, a giant poisonous creature Mm. that leaves no survivor. Um, of course... Uh, talking about the renowned cryptid. Well, it's renowned to me, at least, of the Mongolian Death Worm. Whoa, that's a hardcore name. Yes, yes. Not to be confused, I guess, with Mongolian Death Metal, which, which I'm is sure also, exists. Uh, it does, and it's sick. <laughs> Do you have any familiarity with the Mongolian Death Worm? Not- or Algoikor... I do not. Okay. I mainly bring this up to sort of start off today's exhibit because we find ourselves today in the cabin of curiosities Mm. where uh, we'll be talking about some spooky stuff for this uh, spooky month that we are currently in uh, going up until Halloween. Yeah. Uh, This is going to be a fun, uh, light... A uh, little series for us to talk about myths and legends, uh, and just general scary stuff. But also, why are we scared of these things, and what could be <laughs> uh, the reason behind them? Now, the the I, I start with the Mongolian death worm mainly uh, in response to last week. I kind of we covered a lot, um, in particular. Uh, you know, it just ended up talking about um, the sandworms from Dune right. for no good reason, if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> but uh, as as a kid that wasn't into Dune, I but was into cryptids, I knew about the Mongolian death worm, and I feel like I would see fan art for Dune and would assume that it was the uh, interesting MDW. Oh, nice, nice abbreviation there. Love that. Not to be confused with WMDs, I guess. Um, you know, it is. It is interesting. Oh my god! What if? Oh my god, Dick Cheney. Oh my god, that's what we were doing in Iraq. Yeah, there were. Uh, well, <laughs> they messed then up. They, would, they, they wouldn't be Mongolian, I guess. No. But the, wait, what? What if? What if the Mongolian death worms crept from the Asian mm. steppe into the deserts of the Middle East? And we are trying to curb the spread of them. That's definitely a conspiracy. I could see having some traction. Yeah, I mean, it's it it makes almost as much sense as any other conspiracy theory. True. Yeah. Or we just got really confused, and you know, we were looking for WMDs, uh, but we ended up, you know, uh, ended up fighting MDWs. Right. Exactly. Um, 
So, uh, the Mongolian death worm, uh, entered Western consciousness in 1926. Um, oh. if you recall, I've talked a little bit about this guy before. Roy Chapman Andrews mm. published a book called On the Trail of Ancient Man. Um, Roy Chapman Andrews was a paleontologist from the AMNH in New York. He uh, worked with John Ostrom. And Roy Chapman Andrews is the quintessential rootin' tootin' shootin' cowboy of right. paleontology. Uh, he is the closest thing that we had to an actual Indiana Jones. Right, right. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, yeah. He's a good he's a good Wisconsin boy that um, you know, is just traversing the world studying whales and other prehistoric mammals. The thing is, Roy Chapman Andrews sort of uh, you know, a- along with Ostrom, were in the Gobi Desert, you know, exploring, trying to find uh fossils of the earliest humans, which is you know, hence the title on the trail of ancient man. Right. This is where they, you know, had, had their best bet. They were like, there's all this ancient culture in Asia. Um, we, we should probably be looking in the desert because nobody's ever looked there. Um, <laughs> I guess. John Ostrom also had some weird, uh, racial ideas that we would maybe, find uh distasteful now um yikes you know this this is you know still still an era um where you know they're not phrenologists but there's still plenty of racism involved in uh, science and anthropology and archaeology so Mm. um but you know in to be fair they weren't looking in europe uh fair enough they, they, i guess they, they, yeah. they were they were looking in the place that that uh so, that sort of made sense to to their logic and to the information they had mm. so while andrews is in the gobi desert he hears a story uh from the locals that there is a giant uh creature that is referred to as a worm mm. Uh, sometimes called the intestine worm. It's supposed to be like, you know, uh, like it has like the segmented body of a worm. Right. And uh, he's staying with locals and they tell him the story. They are certain it exists, uh, but none of them have ever seen it. It's supposed to be so poisonous that, um, you know, it can kill you. By touching you, it can also kill you without having to touch you. It's very unclear what its powers are. It lives and glides through the sand. It can, like, swim under the sand and then come up and grab you. Uh, there's even some stories that it can, like, uh, expand, blow up its body and shoot poison everywhere. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty metal. Yeah, literally. Pretty, pretty mon- Mongolian <laughs> gonna... uh, death metal. And... Uh, Andrews uh, reiterates this again in 1932. Andrews does not believe it exists, but, um, you know, he mentions the information again in his book, uh, The New Conquest of Central Asia. Um, And again, just sort of reiterates, it's, you know, it's said by the locals to live in, it is reported to live in the most arid, sandy regions of the Western Gobi. Okay. And, uh... And and still, there is sort of this, uh, uh, 
this story sort of persists. Other scientists go into the Gobi and also hear the story. I was kind of trying to imagine, are they just fucking with him? (laughs) I feel like that's, yeah, I think so. (laughs) I, 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 given all of our stories of explorers going to distant lands, trying to find things and the locals putting them in the wrong direction, honestly, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. surprise me. Yeah, I mean, Andrew's, Andrews maybe would not um, fit our modern sensibilities in a lot of ways. I He does deserve a little bit of credit for really uh-huh. wanting to take his uh, Asiatic expedi- expeditions, uh, you know, as purely science-driven. He right. kept out people that wanted to send uh, surveyors with him to look for... Uh, oil deposits or valuable minerals he was there for the fossils and wouldn't Mm. you know it he finds absolutely no human fossils but does discover a bunch of significant species of dinosaur there you um, go yeah you know and and a bunch of um really cool prehistoric mammals as well there is actually also a russian paleontologist uh ivan yefremov uh and uh Actually, he was also a science fiction writer and was familiar with the death worm from Andrew's book. He writes a short story about it. Uh, He also, since he is studying Gobi Desert fossils, also hears the story. Um, And again, there's sort of this thing of, but nobody's ever seen it and lived to tell the tale. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. There's a couple different... uh, uh, groups that go in to look for the worm in the 90s uh, as recently as the 90s um at this point though i think they're doing it a little tongue-in-cheek okay this guy ivan mccarroll goes in and because uh he's a fan of dune he brings out a motor-driven thumper to try and make vibrations in the sand uh to uh try and attract the worm uh <laughs> right as and and what he what wouldn't you know it doesn't find anything um it, there's even various investigations into the early 2000s of people looking for it oh wow okay but it is eventually determined that based on the name and asking locals it is actually a tartar sand boa, the derpiest looking snake that exists. Oh, I want to look yeah. this bad boy up now. Like my, f- I don't know if it was the exact species, but like my friend in college had a pet sand boa, and they oh. can swim through the sand, but they are not venomous. Right. Uh, and I have no <laughs> idea how it could possibly hurt you gotcha okay that's kind of a wild change of of mongolian death worm to just noodle boy that goes through noodle boy with very small eyes very small eyes uh definitely not the size of the ones from dune 
mm-hmm. kind of funny that they thought that that would work, right? Though going out with the um, <laughs> like with something to make vibrations and be like, God, if they destroyed those spice those spice rigs, the melange. You know? Yeah, I forgot the actual yeah. the oh, yeah, actual they, they have... name for it. <laughs> According to the index that I didn't read yet, um, is I mean, you know, you go to Asia to get spices. Um, I mean, I, I guess there's a connection there. Well, yeah, um, yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I obviously couldn't figure out a great way to shoehorn this into last week. I just kind of thought uh, it was, yeah. uh, it, it, it's an interesting diversion. Uh, what would have been slightly more related is, like, I totally forgot to talk about Thylacaleo, um, the oh. uh, marsupial lion with opposable oh. thumbs, forward-facing eyes, Mm-mm. and a basically a bolt cutter for a mouth that used to live in australia of course it did of course it did yes (laughs) yeah um but you know that's terrifying yeah yeah you know just like it met just just having like pincers for a mouth and but it's also like an animal that might superficially look like a big cat or a or a dog or something just like truly horrifying stuff That's actually but you know terrifying there there is weird stuff out there you know yeah that's true mm-hmm. you know what else is out there the truth mm. truth is mm. out there mm-hmm. had to I've make some that. sort of reference i have i've seen it on a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean as as mount joyce said bigfoot is out there yeah um <laughs> exactly exactly but today more specifically um, if you'll uh, just take these, these oh. are uh, Florida cryptid postcards, because that's right, we're diving back into Florida's unexpected wildlife. Oh, yes, my the favorite. favorite, the favorite book of the uh, UCM's <laughs> library. It is definitely a well visited one. I can attest mm-hmm. to that. Oh my yes. god! Always a trip. Yeah. Wh- a trip. What's what's uh, who's your favorite so far? Old Three Toes or um, Skunk Ape? Um, I think the Skunk Ape, just for that letter mm-hmm. that was written, <laughs> uh, which is kind this of creature insane. could have hepatitis. <laughs> it's eating my apples. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. There are these. There are whorish orangutans <laughs> yeah. eating my apples. <laughs> oh my god! Bless whoever wrote that. It's fantastic. I mm-hmm. anonymous, uh, but you know, yeah, the true heroes are anonymous. Exactly. So Florida, you know, has a lot of water. So I've heard. Yes. So, as you can imagine, there are actually uh, some sea monsters, which is Ooh. what we wanted to talk about today. Unfortunately, there is not a ton of consistency to uh-huh. uh, any of these. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you believe it? I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, some of the stories of things that uh, people see, it's partially... Um, it, it can be compelling. The thing is, there's no... There's none of that repeat sightings. There's nothing like a Nessie or a Champ where people attribute multiple sightings to a singular creature, but maybe we can do that today. We can find the connection between all of these. I'm going to find the pattern. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, Pattern seeking. The 
Because some of these sound like, you know, basically a second-rate Nessie, but some of these are actually kind of more, um, more interesting, more intriguing origins that you could uh, point to for a creature uh, that uh, is not immediately recognizable. Um, and in maybe some way, maybe a little more believable than a giant marine reptile that we've been missing mm. this whole time. That okay. being said, I'm going to be pretty upfront that the sources for all of this are not great. Ooh. As the author puts it uh, at one point, unburdened by evidence. Oh. Yikes. That's, I mean, you know, I'm going to use that at one point now, because what a great way to just not put a citation. Yeah, um, well, earlier in the book, uh, they basically cite a lot of animals that were thought to be extinct and then turned out to still exist. We've talked about Celiacanth right. before, but in Florida, there are a few species that um th there's like a, a particularly a species of rat that was thought to be extinct but um eventually it turned it turned back up florida has i mean certain people in florida maintain that there are remnant populations of ivory-billed woodpeckers and carolina right. parakeets right although right. we also you know have to uh uh take our hats off uh in in um uh, in sadness for uh, the recent official announcement of the extinction of the ivory-billed woodpecker since, mm. spoiler alert, nobody has found uh, alive in the uh, in the last century. Jeez. Um, yeah, so th this this is kind of a little more fun because you kind of just, let's play in the space. Let's, right. Let's teach the controversy. Ooh, interrogate mm -hmm. the subject matter. Yes. We're going to start um, in 1959. Okay. Um, with a creature known as Specs. Oh. Which I would like to say right now is not a racial slur. Oh, okay. I was like, what do you yeah. wait? <laughs> God, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Why did yeah. I think it was a Sandlot character? Is that a, sand <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Sandlot character's name? The one with glasses? I mean, probably. I'm gonna go with probably. I've only seen it like 20 times in school. I should, but I never paid attention. <laughs> what part? What part of the curriculum was the Sandlot? Teacher didn't want to do work that day. <laughs> God, we had to watch Glory. What? Oh, like the the Civil War movie? Yeah, oh, we had to watch that too. But I watched it mm -hmm. on my own because I was a history nerd like that. It's crazy where Colonel Shaw gets up there and he's like, he sees all the Confederates coming, and right. he's like, "That's a lot of fish." <laughs> yeah, that that definitely yeah. was a pretty wild one. Um, yeah, Matthew Broderick, such a good actor. Oh yeah. So specs. Um, again, yes. when when if you hear me saying this, I'm saying it with an E, not an mm -hmm. I. Thank you. So, uh, a gentleman by the name of Bob Wall um, was an experienced skin diver. He was about 35 feet under the water uh, when he sees a cave Whoa. going down to investigate. He dives deeper, and inside the cave, 
sees a creature that is five and a half feet long, has a long cylindrical body with eye stalks uh, that poke up looking at him. They track him. They lock onto him. It has brown spotted eyes, eight spiny legs. It moves towards him, and he turns around and gets away as quickly as he can and reports it. Okay. Interesting. Very vivid. Mm -hmm. So, according to Florida's Unexpected Wildlife, we have three options. Okay. One, it's a hoax. Mm. Two, mistaken identity. Or three, a giant sea scorpion. (laughs) What? What? How did we get to that option? Wait a minute. What a a jump. Yes. uh, I I kind of love the way the book (laughs) presents these. Um, Uh It's like, could be a hoax. Right. Um, But it also makes a big point that Wall desperately wanted to keep his job as a glass bottom boat guide Uh uh-huh i feel like bob wall had some other issues uh you know (laughs) trying to hold on to that job Uh, apparently the boat was called the comrade two that was a neat little bit of uh, dressing it really shows you how well um research this is definitely um (laughs) he calls it you know it's like you also gotta love the the names of florida cryptids the blue-eyed thump thumps old ritos and now we got specs why is it called specs because it had eyes (laughs) (laughs) i love that name that's so great what yeah yeah so uh now now try to keep all this straight bob wall is the guy that sees it the skin diver Mm -hmm. and they say Basically, the authorities, the man, say he might have seen a larger-than-average spiny lobster. Okay. Now, are you familiar with spiny lobsters? I know what lobsters look like. Are spiny Um, ones different? Imagine them without claws, and they have big, long spine antennas. Okay. That's definitely an image. Yeah, um, we they're, they're pretty common in Florida. We don't have lobsters with the claws. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it is pointed out that Bob Wall is an experienced skin diver and should be able to uh, recognize a spiny lobster, which, um, you know, rarely get, you know, even half that big. Right. Yeah, so the they're like Bob Wall. Bob Wall is a the most trusted member of this community. <laughs> Who else is going to pilot the glass bottom boat? He needs to keep his <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah, the, the one glass bottom boat in Florida, piloted yes. by uh, this man who apparently is very. Credible. I know what I saw. I know what I saw. I saw. I saw. It had. It had eyes. <laughs> it had eyes. Um, so now a cryptozoologist named Mark Hall. Now keep, Mm. yeah, now remember this. Hall is researching wall. (laughs) Right. Um, we're building a house here. He concludes (laughs) that, uh, it is actually a Eurypterid. Oh. Now, Eurypterids were real creatures. Uh Um, they're commonly referred to as sea scorpions. These would have been kind of like, 
top predators of the oceans um kind of before i guess just one of one of the one of the first like large carnivores um they were arthropods they you know so they had jointed bodies they had um paddles this is one of the first times like you know a a swimming predator uh you know started getting to the sizes of like you know uh alligators you know whoa yeah so imagine imagine a a lobster the size of an alligator no thank you Mm -hmm. nope yes so eurypterids or sea scorpions uh lived about 400 to 155 million years ago um so this would be news to us if they were still around. I yeah. I mean, listen, I reacted so uh, hysterically because <laughs> I didn't even know sea scorpions existed. Like, yeah, even in history. So, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't know of any that have eye stalks. Um, right. But I mean, you know, maybe that maybe it, it to- totally fair that you know. Honestly, if there was if there was a Eurypterid, that would be the least surprising thing that it had eye stalks. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. So, uh, Specs doesn't really ever uh, surface again. There's just sort of you know a, a bit of a media fiasco, and then it just sort of dies down. Bob Wall has to get back to piloting the glass bottom boat. Right, he's got a job um, to do. Yeah, probably just talked about it for the rest of his life. Most likely. Hi there, my name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts, a podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account, while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. So uh, this uh, brings us to Bernard Hovelmans. Mm. Now Hovelmans wants to take Florida um, sea creature, sea serpent, and monster sightings seriously. Okay. So what's he do? He compiles all sightings of any any kind of mysterious unidentified creature that has been sighted in Florida from 1622 to 1968. Whoa. Of them, he finds 587. Okay. Now he's doing this in the late 60s, so you know, this is probably some pretty uh, you know, uh pretty uh intense research trying to find all of this stuff. Um, but of the 587, he decides that 238 of them are too unreliable. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they're thinning it out. Yeah. Um, but what sort of goes down in history as Florida's first sea serpent uh, is called the Lucian Nancy creature. Okay. That's definitely a name. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Lucian Nancy. It sounds nice. Yeah. We'll name our children Jackie and Wilson. Raise them on rhythm and blues. Exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> yes. Um now you may think Lucy and Nancy are uh, you know, is your your aunt and her friend that quote unquote friend that right, right. uh your your aunt lives with. Um 
but uh lucy and nancy was actually the name of the boat that was uh traveling on the atlantic that one fateful day february 18th 1849 Mm. um and uh lucy and nancy schooner spots a 90 foot long creature at the mouth of the saint john's river okay um the captain the, the the passengers claim to see it, but the captain is who they interview. They decide he's the most reliable person. Um and he says it has a snake like head. Uh and they could see uh other parts of its body at certain points, uh, with which had either fins or claws. Uh they weren't really quite sure. Hmm. Um, but you know, they described this enormous creature. Um, and it is eventually dubbed uh, a super eel. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there there might have been something. I could have just been a bunch of drunk people on a boat that saw a whale. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what it sounds like. But is there, I mean, is there other proof to go into this? Is there like any evidence or is it kind of just like that? That's it. Um, evidence um or is it is it un uh what would it what did they say what was it cited as unburdened um, unburdened right. by evidence right is it that um well sort of uh onwards from there a series of mysterious carcasses wash up on the sea uh sorry wash up on the beach in beaches of florida In the 1880s, there is a particularly famous carcass called the New River Inlet Carcass. Hmm. Um, Now, I mean, in Florida, there's actually kind of a... There are actually a series of famous uh, mysterious creatures that kind of washed up on the shore. And kind of in the days before DNA, uh, we couldn't really test what they were. Right. These probably a lot of the times were whale carcasses and people just didn't recognize that they were whales because they were at that stage of decomposition Mm. um but a lot of them are affectionately called globsters oh yeah like glob Um, monsters or like glowing lobsters (laughs) (laughs) can it be both it can be both so uh, there's actually some scientists that go out uh, and they are actually really eager to collect stuff from this uh, from this animal that's washed up. And, you know, I to try to identify it. Right. The problem is a surprise hurricane comes and oh. sweeps everything away and they lost uh, everything. But the oh. creature was incredibly hard for people to describe. It was supposed to be enormous. It was kind of shaped like a really long paddle. Um, The descriptions and the illustrations do not make it any more clear, um, I'm sad to say. But it was famous enough that people actually did write about it, and this is a thing that happened. Um, But we do not know what this particular globster, what this particular carcass was. There's another incident uh, in 1891 called Panic at Pablo Beach. Oh, I love that band. Yes, Panic at Pablo Beach. Um, (laughs) Now, this is one of the most hilarious things that I think I have read in this book. Oh, man, Um, I'm excited. This entire incident that, you know, the author found a way to write, you know, multiple paragraphs on. The only source of... 
uh, this panic of a dragon rising out of the sea and scaring beachgoers is an anonymous painting of the event from 1891. Okay, there's so much yes. to dissect with that. Um, <laughs> is there? <laughs> no. Why is it bad that I think of Pete's dragon? Like, I know it doesn't take place in Florida. Maybe because of the lighthouse? Like, that's what I picture. Like, the you know, the Disney film Pete's mm-hmm. dragon? Yeah, but like yeah, the, yeah, old, yeah. the old one. Uh, for some mm-hmm. reason, I get, like, visions of cartoons when you describe these, like, events. And I think it's because of how outlandish they are. But I'm going mm-hmm. gonna, gonna to come at this with some sincerity. I'm going to say, you know what? No, we're going to interrogate the subject matter. And we're mm-hmm. really going to see, is that possible? You know, not even to mention uh-huh. that paintings aren't photographs and that they're constructed. But I guess we'll just ignore that. Um <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean, I, there's a there's a black and white uh reproduction of it in the book. The painting very much has that um late 1800s newspaper illustration style. Oh. Okay. You know, so this could for all I know, you know, this is like uh a representation of like the Kaiser, you know. Right. Um right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we don't really know what this is. It's just the author has a painting that says Panic at Pablo Beach, and it shows a sea monster is it, bothering right. some bathers. I guess it's there's, not po- there's no There's no other really reports of this. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, um, but this, I, I mean... Do, it's it's possible like that yeah. there there can be certain places that people go and it start and it starts to develop a mythology to it sure um, yeah yeah i mean do did you have any local creatures any local cryptids <sighs> growing up like or even like I don't, I don't know. Was there just like a deep part of the pool that you always thought you might see an alligator? Oh in? my God. Yes. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that was like a shared experience until Justin yeah. McElroy does his bit on the glass shark in the pool. <laughs> uh, I definitely was always scared of deep water, but I really like the ocean and I really like swimming because I, ha- mm-hmm. I grew up with a pool. And I definitely remember being terrified that something was in the water with me and i think it's just that human fear right like i don't i don't know how much there is to it but like there is sensations if the atmosphere the ambiance is right that you're like but what if but what if something's under there like what if there's Mm -hmm. something in this chlorine filled pool that's only eight feet deep and (laughs) i can see but what if like i don't know but I, i i don't know i think i could definitely see like some you know reason behind these like where places get this mythology Mm -hmm. or where things build over time to kind of create these stories besides that i think the ones that we had were like obviously the jersey devil but that's a joke here to be honest with you like it's not taken that seriously it's more like a lot of haunted places i can't remember where like i think it's like either called like the devil's gate or hell's gate or the gates to hell i don't know where that is that might be pa but i'm not entirely sure i know that had a lot of like fear behind it and then there's like devil's tree right. or something but these aren't cryptids these are like places more specifically yeah there there's a sinkhole out by gainesville called the devil's mill hopper whoa that's a name yeah 
Yeah, which is it, it's actually a really nice nature walk. Oh, uh, fun! A nice, a nice nature preserve and a giant sinkhole. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, we didn't have that much like creature mythology. That wasn't much of a thing. I guess in um, the Northeast, it's all ghosts. It's right? a lot of go. Yeah, which makes sense, like historically speaking. But mm-hmm. it's it's more ghosts or like night creature-esque things or oh, like a witch or something in that like not obviously you gotta watch like, out for those witches gotta, gotta watch out well especially now uh don't hex me anybody on on witch mm-hmm. talk please but um <laughs> no like it, i don't know we don't, it's not the same type of like myths but it's definitely more like ghost specter type deal especially mm-hmm. with like its own like ocean front or beachfront mythology i guess if you will mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, there there can also be like that. I I think I think with, there there is something kind of inherently spooky about any old town that's a a tourist destination or, yes. and has been for generations. I think the uh the weird relationship uh that the locals can have with. Uh, the people coming in and out, you know, feeling like you sort right. of live for the benefit of someone else. Um, you you can, I I feel like it's almost like the uneasiness of Loch Ness as well. There's yeah, yeah, like a a feeling of a kind of emptiness behind the facade of like trying to appear as welcoming as possible, and I feel like right. that's the. That's the spookier thing about um, uh, small beach towns in the Northeast and in the South, honestly, too. The yeah, uh, that it's like it's just this facade for other people, and otherwise, yeah. life is very different to actually live there. Uh, mm. You know, year round. For I sure. guess that's also part of Jaws too. <laughs> We yeah. need summer dollars. I mean, I guess that's true. Yeah, with the Jaws part. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is interesting hearing you say that because I feel like that's kind of the common thread with a lot of this, right? Is mm-hmm. that there's some level of tourist attraction. It's all happening around when the beach becomes a real vacation spot, which, you know, having recently found out that that's not that long of a thing. Like, that's not mm. that's not an old activity so to speak right like the idea of beachfront property and visiting the shore is kind of new within mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure american um you know history right so i don't know like there's something kind of ominous at times about certain beach towns or lore that's built up around them and sea serpents and you have to kind yeah. of incorporate fishermen tales too and all kinds of and those i think have more history to them like i think there is that fascination with the sea or the ocean and the Mm -hmm. unknown because you don't know what's underneath and i know like you know you get Mm -hmm. your mermaids or your siren stories and then your Mm -hmm. monsters and leviathans and all kinds of other stuff but i think when you're on the beach and it's in a specific location and it feels like the story of jaws there's something Mm -hmm. else there like i can definitely have memories of going to south carolina as a kid like near Myrtle Beach and like the obsession with like finding a big shark that everybody had and like that was mm-hmm, a thing like mm-hmm. you wanted to find that like if they can find a great 
white or something, something in the the water lurking. Like there was always that interest, but it was more from you tourists. Want, you want to like you want to like prove you know some like confrontation with nature might still exist when you know this all kind of goes back to the romantic era right people people that have time to have leisure ultimately want to put themselves in these sublime mindsets where there is some ancient natural danger that we can put ourselves into and confront nature and confront god himself you know right this is like this this is you know getting to like the very very base of a lot of these feelings but you know i mean why why else go after a shark you know as as like I understand sharks are scary. I'm going to, you know, even set aside the fact that sharks statistically, uh, there's, there's almost no probability of getting killed by a shark unless Mm -hmm. you're in a very specific, uh, um, circumstance. Right. Um, but the, the very idea is like, we don't have to deal with sharks. (laughs) Yes. You know, Yeah. exactly. Like, we don't have to be out there. We don't have to be at the beach. It, I couldn't say it better myself. I literally, did, I like just had an argument about, or a discussion about this with mm-hmm. my like family and extended family recently on that mm-hmm. exact topic of like, we don't have to, like the ocean isn't our domain, so to speak, right? Like we're not, we're land-based creatures more or less like obviously we can I don't swim know. I've, and we go I've, things, I've, se- but... I've seen i've seen some uh internet posts of people mm-hmm. talking about how we evolved from mermaids <laughs> are you are you familiar no. with this uh, conspiracy theory no what <laughs> yeah there's a whole branch of conspiracy that um humans are actually uh our ancestors were aquatic and it explains why we're shaped differently from other apes why we don't have hair all over our bodies you know the 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 scientists in their ivory towers will tell you it's for this and that reason but (laughs) right but they know the truth yeah never mind the fact that if we're in water too long our skin literally starts to sag off um yeah uh okay but uh yeah that that is a branch of conspiracy itself that we are descended from uh literally mermaids <laughs> that is probably the weirdest thing i've heard so far and weird in honesty mm. even even specs with an e uh mm-hmm. is a bit more like i can i can deal with that um yes. doesn't that feel like a weird roundabout way though for the lobed fish like evolution like um, I don't... you know, I was thinking, I was thinking about this the, the other day, especially in terms of, you know, what is truth and I... <laughs> when is, and when true. is it, a, when is it applicable to be right? That's fair. You know, cause when you're a kid, what is a whale? A whale is a fish. Mm. Uh, it swims in the ocean when you're older and you're like, you know, middle school age and up, let's say, whales are mammals, you right. know? Um, if you... But if you're uh, really into biology as you get older, um, 
you know, there's there's not a a line in the sand as things are evolving where they stop being whatever they are before them. Right. So technically speaking, whales are fish only because mammals are as a group are descended from reptiles, which are descended from amphibians, which are descended from fish. But they never mm. stopped, you know. There's no date we point to and say, and this is when they stopped being fish. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, language so, and material and, is weird. Yeah. Yes, it is. So you could, as many fish paleontologists <laughs> love to say, it's all fish. Everything is fish. The, I mean, I guess if you learned yeah, anything. Yeah, but just do not tell Hillary McLean. Okay. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to get yelled at. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I think it's it does feel a lot like that r- romantic idea that you're saying. Like you don't have to mm-hmm. put yourself in danger of nature. And obviously nature is still dangerous. I think for a lot of other reasons than people want it to be. Like for example, mm-hmm. you can fall off a cliff and die. Um mm-hmm. you can eat the wrong type of mushroom and either trip on like drugs and have like a you know a a psychedelic state or be poisoned and literally die right but there. But what if it was chupacabra? <laughs> I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like it's like it doesn't have to be a mythical beast to kill you. You can eat the wrong mm-hmm. berries and die. You can mm-hmm. run out of food and die. You know, it's like it's it's interesting like the more you I think we come back to our roots to be face to face with nature the more Mm -hmm. i wonder if it is that longing like that longing to want to go back maybe to that more earlier state of where things felt a bit more balanced where the Mm -hmm. world had a chance and i still think it does to be honest with you because i think people take um industry for granted and like Mm -hmm. are like oh well we have computers and we have industry and therefore we are the most powerful beings on the planet and i'm like i Yes, but orcas are freaking terrifying in the water. So I don't know about that. You know, like I, I don't know. Like I don't know if any But also I don't sense, think but... I don't think we need to prepare for an invasion of orcas. Again, <laughs> no. if the orcas if the orcas <laughs> wanted to form some kind of uh you know organized state right. um you know in off the coast of Seattle, right. maybe um, our fishing uh, industry would suffer, but ultimately, <laughs> the people on the ground in Seattle uh, can be like, "All right, well, you know, they're not; they can't get us from here." Well, yeah, exactly. You know what's kind of crazy though? I don't know if you knew, but like that, orcas in the water could kill us if they wanted to very easily. They just choose oh, yeah. not. They choose not to. They just oh don't yeah no I mean well threat. the thing is that they're all they're all like weirdly cruel sometimes when they yeah. kill animals yeah very like, cruel very very cruel it's kind of yeah. crazy well it is it is sort of like that interesting dichotomy between dolphins of you know yeah, and, yeah. and and sharks you know sharks have the sharks are not as intelligent as dolphins and yet you know so in a way sharks are not capable of being evil because they are so simple-minded 
they are know, the himbos eat, of the of the yes sea. yes they eat when they are hungry uh and uh you know just just otherwise swim it's a swimming tube um right. whereas a dolphin has a brain and can make decisions based uh on things beyond its immediate needs a sh- uh, a dolphin can choose to do something you know dickish um dolphins Literally. what i'm saying what i'm saying is dolphins can sin um, they do I yeah guess. you know it's, Accord- it's like it's like it's like humans you know we have the option to sin because we are we, because of our intelligence it's the uh Whoa. it's 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 the parable of the forbidden fruit we recognize our own greatness and become like a god ourselves damn Mm-hmm. that's a great wow okay yeah mm-hmm. um yeah i was gonna say yeah. that sharks are basically like the dogs of the sea but i feel like that quote like overshadows that very much <laughs> what uh, and, and 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 dolphins are cats no they're like i guess <laughs> no i don't i don't think so at all I, I think cats are nice i don't think compared to dolphins yeah. at least i mean well i i but i mean i i mean removing this from an actual scientific analysis we think of dogs are smart in that they do what we tell them to cats are smart in that they will not do what we want them to do right they are they free think for themselves and dogs yes i guess don't but they're also pack animals which kind of makes sense yeah i it's people people are sheep joe (laughs) if i learned anything from all they wear dark sunglasses Right. <laughs> I I this this is all very interesting, but I would like yeah. to share one more tale of uh Ooh, yes. Florida Florida sea monsters. And this one is perhaps um the most dramatic and the most cinematic. So we'll have to go back to a day on the water with five young friends. It is March twenty-fourth, nineteen sixty-two. Edward McCleary and four of his friends go out uh, in a raft from Pensacola to dive on the wreck of the Massachusetts. Now, um, McCleary was only 16. When they were out on the raft, a storm pulled them out to sea, and they were lost for over an hour in the fog. They didn't know where they were. They couldn't see anything until they heard the sounds of slapping and splashing and an awful smell started wafting towards them. They describe a pole 10 feet high with a quote-unquote bulb at the top of it that rose out of the water then sank back down, then rose out of the water again, sank back down. He was hissing, splashing, and with that, they abandoned the raft. They had their diving equipment, so they had fins, and they started swimming. But McCleary remembers hearing each of his friends screaming as the monster took them one by one. He saw the creature as it took his last friend. It had a 12-foot neck, brownish-green skin, and a head like a sea turtle, but it had teeth. Its eyes were green with oval pupils. McCleary, swimming, terrified, finds a part of the ship that sticks out of the water 
It was the original ship that they had gone out to dive on. He clung to it until morning, and then swam back to shore. Whoa. And this is the story of Edward McCleary's creature. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely a tone shift. Wow. Yeah. Um, yes. So, what is it? Well, um, I mean, it... Here's here's uh, some some problems. Oh. There is no account of this aside from McCleary. Oh. He sent this into a paranormal magazine in 1965. Uh, when they reached out to the Pensacola police, the U.S. Coast Guard, the Gulf Herald, Pensacola News Journal, everyone... No one had any record of four boys drowning or going missing even. Oh. Yeah. Huh. And, you know, maybe he just lied about where he was, but, you know, there's all of these unfounded sources that say one body was found or that all the boys were just went missing you know, this was kind of a uh, a sensational story. You know, it it was you know published in a pulpy magazine, right, um, right? And obviously, it's horrifying. But we kind of have to confront the fact that McCleary is the only person that's ever reported this, and there does not seem to be any other. Like, we don't even know who his friends were. That was you think you think we would have some sort of record that the people went missing, right? Or like their names. Or, like, who they were, I guess. Um, yeah. That's a bit of a big problem. Yeah, and it's almost like... The book presents it almost like it's maybe a cover-up. Okay. I mean... But... But, but why? Right, because even in, like, you know, alien abduction stories, there's, like, people's names, right? Like, there is yeah. kind of, and like, this, this person went missing... Like, couldn't they like like why cover up a sea monster i feel like they could have just said it was the cubans and like you know <laughs> oh yeah that's true given the time period or like yeah. you know aliens quite literally like it's the same era of well yeah i mean i guess i guess we can know edward mccleary is possibly real but this does sort of just fall in it's it's a very compelling story for a lot of its specificity um you know and this was a story that he did share again later in life um but it is like such a uh folklore type of tale in its in all of the specificity that it does not give you know you could totally mm you know, see that this is like, um, in the same way that stories of the Loch Ness Monster looking like a dinosaur or a plesiosaur only really happens after the movie King Kong comes out. Right, You know, right. this is the 60s. Uh, dinosaurs are fairly well-known. Plesiosaurs are fairly well-known. This is probably where the description of the creature comes from, you know? Gotcha. This is a, a big enough of a story that there is, like, 
online articles and stuff about it and people have written about it but when you it's one of those things that once you start to track it down uh there's not really a, uh any sources for it okay. it does seem to be like a legitimate modern folklore type of thing you know and i mean even the idea of like diving on an old wreck is spooky enough but then you have uh this uh this creature coming and picking off all of your friends you know yeah it's a whole other level yeah but i mean it is like stuff that can happen to you getting swept out to sea on a raft you know getting pulled out by a riptide having a storm come in suddenly all of this is legitimately scary stuff that can happen to you on the water in florida Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely i mean that's kind of the terrifying thing i feel like that's why i was so captivated in this story and because it feels it's very real like that's very possible that can happen the serpent's another level of things that come in but even just like deaths like it it feels very cap it it feels very possible but then it just because there's no evidence because it's one person's perspective and that's it like quite literally you know it falls a bit flat and again like you were comparing to the Loch Ness Monster or other very famous cryptids that have lots of encounters and more of like a cultural folklore-esque phenomenon yeah. around them this feels made up but I don't know right yeah, yeah kind of does I mean the other thing is that this is one of this is like Michele Mumbembe this story is actually well known in a lot of creationist circles apparently this is a story that is cited to say that dinosaurs uh and prehistoric creatures live among us oh god you know and that the earth is only six thousand years old (sighs) which further complicates trying to study something like this yeah yeah, it's uh, it's not a super well-founded story, but what I think is interesting about all of these things is that you wonder if if these had been um collected in a bit of an earlier time, we would have actually seen some sort of uh solidification of the idea of a Florida sea monster properly, you know? Right, right. Yeah, like, yeah. I I think there's a lot of intriguing stuff that starts in with Florida cryptids, but ultimately they, um, you know, as soon as anyone investigates them, you cannot take them seriously. <laughs> right, they kind of fall apart, and that's... Yeah. I mean, it's... it's... Yeah. It's sad I... in a way, to be honest. It is, it is, that, like, it, it can't seem to pull it off, because... Florida does have like when you get away from you know just the uh the kitschiness of everything which yeah. I I find endearing in my own way sure um, sure maybe not in the way they intend but I was <laughs> on my most recent trip to Florida I was trying to think a lot about um the weirdness of Florida uh beyond you know just the kind of the legendary idea of you know buccaneers and seminoles and Mm. you know spanish explorers right and part of it is is the mundane innocuous banal 
aspects of Florida that could be anywhere, you know? Mm. You can drive through Florida neighborhoods and suburbs that could be anywheresville, USA. It's flat like the Midwest, so there's no recognizable mountains or geographic features. It's kind of disorienting that you don't know... It's not like driving in a city or somewhere with hills where you have something that can orient you on the on the horizon. If you're away from the water, you don't you uh, you could be anywhere. The only thing that makes it stick out is the flora and fauna, you know, right, right. It's, uh, you know, you look around at a gas station or a giant parking lot that could be anywhere in the Midwest except that everyone's in flip-flops and there's enormous birds just walking around, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more of the birds, <laughs> I feel like, is the telling part there. <laughs> yeah, there's there's plenty of meth dens, but, you know, there's palm trees right. everywhere. Right, so it's more fun. It's more <laughs> exotic, Uh <laughs> You know, it feels like a liminal space. Like every it other is. thing I, I see of Florida and even having been like, I guess twice, three times. I don't mm. remember. Besides Disney and the water. Disney's weird for other reasons. Yeah. And we're not even going to touch it right now. But like, yeah, if did you ever see the Florida project, like the movie? No. Okay. Well, you got to because it's very good. Okay. But I feel like that sums up that like in between space of like suburban florid floridian areas versus like kind of in the out the shadow of disneyland like what's outside of what people who aren't from florida would see i i mean Mm -hmm. i could be wrong because i'm not from florida i've never you know i haven't lived there Mm -hmm. but I, i kind of imagine that's what it's like in this way but then there's like you know alligators and big birds and stuff mm-hmm. but i yeah, yeah i think you're on yeah, to something I, with it, that. it's it's the it's the it's those interesting interruptions between everything else that feels kind of homogenous about uh, yeah Florida. yeah um, for sure yeah um i mean this but yeah it it's uh it's not without its spookiness uh that is least. true yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely some crazy stories here. Always really interesting to hear from the great book of Florida's yeah. cryptids. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. And- I mean, where where else can you come but the Uncanny County Museum mm-hmm. to hear about, you know, the Mongolian prime minister-backed Mongolian death worm? <laughs> which yes. It, which, what, which Andrews did cite as a source oh. for the worm. Wow, okay. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> If a president or prime minister was a cryptid expert, <laughs> be kind of inc- I'd vote for him. Sounds I great. Think the close, the closest we have is like Jesse Ventura, you know, like yeah, that's who's fair. really just a conspiracy theory nut. Yeah, but I guess he was also in Predator, so it's kind of like he's a cryptid expert. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of there, almost there. You know, this would have been funnier like ten years ago when it was less harmful than now. Um, that's, yeah, I just because I said yeah. that I'm like, oh, I'd vote, and then I'm like, would you? <laughs> half the people that would believe stuff think, like this. Do you think Trump believes in Bigfoot? If it benefits him, it do- he does. Mm. Like you know, I'm I'm pretty sure like 
a lot of these like it like you know what's what's her face the the Majorie Taylor, Majorie Green Taylor. I don't know. Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah, that one. She definitely is a creationist who like firmly believes that there's like dinosaurs among us in the water and stuff. Like, I and then is also racist. But you know, like I, mm. it, it, it's it's hard. It's so hard to find these like mm-hmm. as humorous as we did before. Yeah. But I also hope that there is this like reclaiming of that right like because there is something so innocent and fun and hopeful even nature wise like thinking about like there has to be something else out there there we want there to be more out there and there's that in there's also that like insight of nature is huge the out the wilderness is massive like there's that hope with it it's the same with the ocean so i i really hope that these can preserve past dangerous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. conspiracy theories that really are harmful to to, yeah. to everybody um well but, yeah you know. it's like you know i there 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 can be stuff like astrology that's you know harmless or whatever myers briggs yeah stuff like that stuff that like people find affirming or whatever sure um and i'm someone that is fascinated by you know, truth, the way that truth and experience can be subjective and the way that multiple things can be true. I feel like I very much have to qualify that, though, by saying like, but we we can't get away from, uh, you know, objective uh, truth. And uh, and I you you want to be able to think about these about the different ways that uh, different things and different experiences can be valid without saying like, Oh, but I'm not, uh, we, we still are talking like as, as if evolution is proven and COVID is real and vaccines don't cause autism and, right. and, and, and you have to start adding all of these other things that for some reason are up for debate at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Spooky in and of itself. But um, yeah, yeah. Isn't that the real horror that we're that we're leaving (laughs) you with today? After talking about fake sea monsters, you have something real to worry about. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 What a what a topic. I can't wait to hear uh, what spooky things we have next for uh, our uh, month of Halloween. Yeah, it's going to be definitely very interesting. Make sure to bring some silver with you. That's going to be an important part of uh, the tour, probably. Um, Yeah, thank you all for uh, joining us. I'm super excited uh, for the following tours that we're going to be given. It's definitely Halloween Town-esque. Is that a mm-hmm. thing? Can we call it that? I'm going to start describing things like that now. Like when a town decorates I mean, I- for Halloween. It's just Halloween I mean, Town. I mean, all I'm picturing is a spirit uh, store, you know, in a. In a we a actually rented out Kmart. part of the museum for a spirit of Halloween. <laughs> we, we needed some money. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Anyways. Well, um, this has been fantastic. Yes. Thank you all for stopping in. We will see you next time at the UCM. 
Uh, before we go, uh, do you have anything going on, Joe? Um, not too much at the moment. I think at this point, the exhibitions that I was participating in have closed. Uh, so I guess you can just check out my work on my website, josaminoart.com, or my Instagram, at josaminoart, and I will hopefully have some new stuff going on soon, but it's kind of a, you know, hidden at the moment. Uh, Zan, how about you? Um, yeah. Uh, so next, uh, by the time you are hearing this, it's not too late to go see the Critters show at the Mize Gallery <laughs> in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, on the 14th of October, that show will be ending. Um, I will still be up at the Bulabarua Gallery, uh, for the show Then and Now, um i uh if you haven't checked it out i have an article in voyage tampa that i uh, gave a little interview on and uh also have some other projects cooking in the works um i'm putting out trying to put out more stuff on tiktok so uh you can find me there at uh zanford eman uh also try to post uh art fairly often on my instagram at xanasaurus mm. Yeah, if you would like to find the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. So, from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Sam Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye. Bye. Bye.